the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bible, a collection of 66 different books by around 40 different authors from many different backgrounds. There were kings and shepherds, soldiers, fishermen, doctors, poets and farmers. Some were young, some old, some rich, and some poor. And they wrote, each reflecting his own personality and style from a wide variety of life circumstances. All the way from palace thrones and bedrooms to the dungeons down in the palace basement. From seashores to mountaintops. And to the backsides of dry desert wastelands. In their books, the writers issued hundreds of specific future prophecies, all perfectly fulfilled or awaiting fulfillment. And they discuss every aspect of human life, hundreds of complicated and controversial topics. And yet, there is a unity and consistency of message in the Bible, from start to finish, that is nothing short of miraculous. Throughout history and today, millions of people around the globe call this book the Holy Bible, the very Word of God. It claims to be a self-revelation of the Supreme Being, the Creator Himself, stepping out of eternity into time and space to tell us and show us what He is like and to let us know His plan for our lives here on earth and in the hereafter. The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar is your chance to actually hear, discuss, and decide for yourself about this book, the Bible. Stay tuned, and at the very least, you'll hear the beauty, wisdom, romance, adventure, and intrigue of the world's greatest literature, the best-selling, most translated book of all history. But more importantly, God himself just might speak to your heart and change your life forever. Now, here's the host of The Bible Live, Sophie Dollar. Well, well, here we are once more, ready for another great time in the Bible, the book of books. We are reading our way through some of the passages that are fundamental, that are formative in an understanding of the scriptures. We've already read the book of Genesis, and now we're continuing our way through chapters 35 through 38 of the book of Exodus, and all of these chapters... Genesis, and I think Exodus, all of them are formative in the way that we're gathering principles about God, human experience, fundamental principles of the human life, not only individual life. We talk about this irrevocable, irresistible tendency that every human being has to selfishness. That is the essence of the sin nature. And of course, as time has gone on, there's confusion, there's wrong information, there are many phobias of all kinds that come into the human experience. And all of these move us irresistibly to choose self, to protect self, to give high priority to me, myself, and I. So we see that principle now lived out. We see it established in the book of Genesis, and then we see it start to be worked out at the moment we start studying individuals. From Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, on to Noah, then to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, his 12 sons, Joseph being among them. The people of Israel go down into Egypt. They are there for over 400 years, and now... 
two months into their experience, the people are camped beneath Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. Moses has gone up on the mountain. He has communed with God. He has asked God to show him his glory. I'll catch you up on that where we are in the book of Exodus tonight in chapter 35. But before we get to that reading, we always take a portion from the Psalms and the Proverbs. We call it our Wisdom and Worship segment. And tonight in Psalm 21, David is praising God after a victory in a battle. When God answers our prayers for victory, we must quickly and openly thank Him for His help and acknowledge His help. Psalm 21. How the King rejoices in your strength, O Lord. He shouts with joy because of your victory. For you have given him his heart's desire. You have held back nothing that he requested. You welcomed him back with success and prosperity. You placed a crown of finest gold on his head. He asked you to preserve his life and you have granted his request. The days of his life stretch on forever. Your victory brings him great honor and you have clothed him with splendor and majesty. You have endowed him with eternal blessings. You have given him the joy of being in your presence. For the king trusts in the Lord. The unfailing love of the Most High will keep him from stumbling. You will capture all your enemies. Your strong right hand will seize all those who hate you. You will destroy them as in a flaming furnace when you appear. The Lord will consume them in his anger. Fire will devour them. You will wipe their children from the face of the earth. They will never have descendants. Although they plot against you, their evil schemes will never succeed. For they will turn and run when they see your arrows aimed at them. We praise you, Lord, for all your glorious power. With music and singing, we celebrate your mighty acts. End of reading, Psalm 21. to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. We all, we all, we all fall to the ground. We fall before you, O Lord. We worship and adore you. We are grateful to you. We admire you. We are proud to be your children, your people. That reflects a bit of the spirit that we see within the people here that are camped beneath Mount Sinai in the book of Exodus. They go cold, they go hot. They're back and forth and up and down. There's a lot of fear here, fear from the past and fear for the future. We've watched with great attention and with great interest the experiences of Moses himself, this individual who spent 40 years in the palaces of Egypt. 40 years out in the backside of the desert raising sheep with his father-in-law Jethro. And now he's beginning the third 40-year period of his life, three lifetimes in essence. And now he has begun to lead the people of Israel as they come out of Egypt. And his goal is to lead them into the promised land. Now tonight, this is a time of laymen. These are normal people, not priests but normal people who are being filled with God's Spirit. They've given a tremendous voluntary offering to the Lord to build this worship center called the Tabernacle. Artisans and the carpenters and others go to work, the ladies spinning and weaving, and they build this worship center, putting God at the center of the nation. Exodus 35:30 through 38:20. Exodus 35. 
And Moses told them, The Lord has chosen Bazalel, son of Uri, grandson of Hur of the tribe of Judah. The Lord has filled Bazalel with the Spirit of God, giving him great wisdom, intelligence, and skill in all kinds of crafts. He is able to create beautiful objects from gold, silver, and bronze. He is skilled in cutting and setting gemstones and in carving wood. In fact, he has every necessary skill. And the Lord has given both him and Oholiab, son of Ahisamach, of the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach their skills to others. The Lord has given them special skills as jewelers, designers, weavers, and embroiders in blue, purple, and scarlet yarn on fine linen cloth. They excel in all the crafts needed for the work. Exodus 36 Bezalel, Oholiab, and the other craftsmen whom the Lord has gifted with wisdom, skill, and intelligence will construct and furnish the tabernacle just as the Lord has commanded. So Moses told Bezalel and Oholiab to begin the work, along with all those who were specially gifted by the Lord. Moses gave them the materials donated by the people for the completion of the sanctuary. Additional gifts were brought each morning, but finally the craftsmen left their work to meet with Moses. We have more than enough materials on hand now to complete the job the Lord has given us to do, they exclaimed. So Moses gave the command, and this message was sent throughout the camp. Bring no more materials. You have already given more than enough. So the people stopped bringing their offerings. Their contributions were more than enough to complete the whole project. The skilled weavers first made ten sheets from fine linen. One of the craftsmen then embroidered blue, purple, and scarlet cherubim into them. Each sheet was exactly the same size, 42 feet long and 6 feet wide. Five of these sheets were joined together to make one set, and a second set was made of the other five. Fifty blue loops were placed along the edge of the last sheet in each set. The fifty loops along the edge of the first set of sheets matched the loops along the edge of the second set. Then fifty gold clasps were made to connect the loops on the edge of each set. Thus the tabernacle was joined together in one piece. Above the tabernacle, a roof covering was made from eleven sheets of cloth made from goat hair. Each sheet was exactly the same size, forty-five feet long and six feet wide. The craftsmen joined five of these sheets together to make one set, and the six remaining sheets were joined together to make a second set. Then they made fifty loops along the edge of the last sheet in each set. They also made fifty small bronze clasps to couple the loops, so the two sets of sheets were firmly attached to each other. In this way, the roof covering was joined together in one piece. Then they made two more layers for the roof covering. The first was made of tanned ram skins, and the second was made of fine goatskin leather. For the framework of the tabernacle, they made frames of acacia wood standing on end. Each frame was fifteen feet high and two and a quarter feet wide. There were two pegs on each frame so they could be joined to the next frame. All the frames were made this way. They made twenty frames to support the south side, along with forty silver bases, two for each frame. They also made twenty frames for the north side of the tabernacle, along with forty silver bases, two for each frame. The west side of the tabernacle, which was its rear, was made from six frames, plus an extra frame at each corner. These corner frames were connected at the bottom and firmly attached at the top with a single ring, forming a single unit from top to bottom. They made two of these, one for each rear corner. So for the west side, they made a total of eight frames, along with sixteen silver bases, two for each frame. Then they made five crossbars from acacia wood to tie the frames on the south side together. They made another five for the north side and five for the west side. The middle crossbar of the five was halfway up the frames, along each side running from one end to the other. The frames and crossbars were all overlaid with gold. The rings used to hold the crossbars were made of pure gold. The inner curtain was made of fine linen cloth, and cherubim were skillfully embroidered into it with blue, purple, and scarlet yarn. This curtain was then attached to four gold hooks set into four posts of acacia wood. 
The posts were overlaid with gold and set into four silver bases. Then they made another curtain for the entrance to the sacred tent. It was made of fine linen cloth and embroidered with blue, purple, and scarlet yarn. This curtain was connected by five hooks to five posts. The posts with their decorated tops and bands were overlaid with gold. The five bases were molded from bronze. This is the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. Exodus 37. Next, Bazalel made the ark out of acacia wood. It was three and three-fourths feet long, two and one-fourth feet wide, and two and one-fourth feet high. It was overlaid with pure gold inside and out, and it had a molding of gold all the way around. Four gold rings were fastened to its four feet, two rings at each side. Then he made poles from acacia wood and overlaid them with gold. He put the poles into the rings at the sides of the ark to carry it. Then, from pure gold, he made the ark's cover, the place of atonement. It was three and three-fourths feet long and two and one-fourth feet wide. He made two figures of cherubim out of hammered gold and placed them at the two ends of the atonement cover. They were made so they were actually a part of the atonement cover. It was all one piece. The cherubim faced each other as they looked down on the atonement cover, and their wings were stretched out above the atonement cover to protect it. Then he made a table out of acacia wood, three feet long, one and a half feet wide, and two and a fourth feet high. It was overlaid with pure gold with a gold molding all around the edge. A rim about three inches wide was attached along the edges of the table, and a gold molding ran around the rim. Then he cast four rings of gold and attached them to the four table legs next to the rim. These were made to hold the carrying poles in place. He made the carrying poles of acacia wood and overlaid them with gold. Next, using pure gold, he made the plates, dishes, bowls, and pitchers to be placed on the table. These utensils were to be used in pouring out drink offerings. Then he made the lampstand, again using pure hammered gold. Its base, center stem, lamp cups, blossoms, and buds were all of one piece. The lampstand had six branches, three going out from each side of the center stem. Each of the six branches held a cup shaped like an almond blossom, complete with buds and petals. The center stem of the lampstand was also decorated with four almond blossoms. One blossom was set beneath each pair of branches where they extended from the center stem. The decorations and branches were all one piece with the stem, and they were hammered from pure gold. He also made the seven lamps, the lamp snuffers and the trays, all of pure gold. The entire lampstand, along with its accessories, was made from 75 pounds of pure gold. The incense altar was made of acacia wood. It was 18 inches square and 3 feet high, with its corner horns made from the same piece of wood as the altar itself. He overlaid the top, sides, and horns of the altar with pure gold and ran a gold molding around the edge. Two gold rings were placed on opposite sides beneath the molding to hold the carrying poles. The carrying poles were made of acacia wood and were overlaid with gold. Then he made the sacred oil for anointing the priest and the fragrant incense using the techniques of the most skilled incense maker. This is the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. Exodus 38. The altar for burning animal sacrifices also was constructed of acacia wood. It was seven and a half feet square at the top and four and a half feet high. There were four horns, one at each of the four corners, all of one piece with the rest. This altar was overlaid with bronze. Then he made all the bronze utensils to be used with the altar, the ash bucket, shovels, basins, meat hooks, and fire pans. Next, he made a bronze grating that rested on a ledge about halfway down into the firebox. Four rings were cast for each side of the grating to support the carrying poles. The carrying poles themselves were made of acacia wood and were overlaid with bronze. These poles were inserted into the rings at the side of the altar. The altar was hollow and was made from planks. 
The bronze wash basin and its bronze pedestal were cast from bronze mirrors donated by the women who served at the entrance of the tabernacle. Then he constructed the courtyard. The south wall was 150 feet long. It consisted of curtains made of fine linen. There were 20 posts, each with its own bronze base, and there were silver hooks and rods to hold up the curtains. The north wall was also 150 feet long, with 20 bronze posts and bases and with silver hooks and rods. The west end was 75 feet wide. The walls were made from curtains supported by 10 posts and bases and with silver hooks and rods. The east end was also 75 feet wide. The courtyard entrance was on the east side, flanked by two curtains. The curtain on the right side was 22 and a half feet long and was supported by three posts set into three bases. The curtain on the left side was also 22 and a half feet long and was supported by three posts set into three bases. All the curtains used in the courtyard walls were made of fine linen. Each post had a bronze base and all the hooks and rods were silver. The tops of the posts were overlaid with silver and the rods to hold up the curtains were solid silver. The curtain that covered the entrance to the courtyard was made of fine linen cloth and embroidered with blue, purple, and scarlet yarn. It was 30 feet long and 7.5 feet high, just like the curtains of the courtyard walls. It was supported by four posts set into four bronze bases. The tops of the posts were overlaid with silver, and the hooks and rods were also made of silver. All the tent pegs used in the tabernacle and courtyard were made of bronze. End of reading, Exodus 3530 30-38-20. There is hope for every man, a solid place where we can stand in this dry and weary land. There is hope for every man. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. The purpose of the tabernacle, the purpose of all of this teaching and encouragement, all of these rituals, all of these different pieces that go into the tabernacle, all of the different colors of the fabrics, all about focusing the attention of the people of Israel around their relationship with God individually. This does not mean that they go around like a bunch of robots in a catatonic attitude all day long. They're moving, they're living their lives in the context of their God. And their God's intention was for them to enjoy life, to enjoy their relationships, their families, their friends, to enjoy nature, to be creative, to enjoy life to the fullest. In the New Testament, Jesus said, I have come in order that you would have life and that you would have it in abundance, a full, meaningful life. And that's what God's intention was for the people of Israel. But that could only be true in their lives as they made him the center of their life. That is the ideal that God has for his people even today. The people sometimes responded so well. We saw tonight this tremendous offering they brought to the point that Moses and the leaders had to get back up and say, okay, stop bringing offerings. You've brought too much. Here we have the people giving voluntary offerings of silver and gold. Remember when they left Egypt, they came out having, to some extent, sacked the nation of Egypt. They were like a conquering army, it said. They came out and they had such favor that the people of Egypt gave them cloth and silver and gold and great gifts. And now they come freely offering these to the Lord. People brought things. They brought their skills. All the women who were skilled in sewing and spinning, they prepared fabrics, blue, purple, scarlet thread, fine linen cloth. The women, the men, I'm sure the children were involved. They brought the spices and the olive oil for the fragrant incense. Remember that special incense that is used in the tabernacle worship. 
They brought them gladly and voluntarily participating in helping to put up this very simple, actually, worship center. Four of them would fit on a football field, 50 yards long, 25 yards across. So this is not a huge thing. This is a relatively small center of worship, of sacrifices, the place where the priests received their sustenance. They were able to eat there from the offerings that were given by the people. But the offerings were also there to signify the devotion of the people, the confession of the sins of the people, the repentance. We'll look at the different kinds of offering that are given, the Thanksgiving offerings, sin offerings, and so on. I'm sure it smelled something like a huge, huge continual day-to-day barbecue pit. Meat was being prepared and sacrificed to the Lord. It was a remarkable worship center. Now, in this tabernacle, a quarter of the size of a football field, relatively small when you think about it being surrounded by two million people, the center of worship, and of course, as God speaks to Moses and the spiritual leaders, guidance is given as the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night leads them. Now, Moses has been up for 40 days and 40 nights on the mountain. He experienced God's presence in a remarkable way. The people fell into sin while he was there building an idol. One good thought that came out the other night as we were talking about God's presence. Remember Moses said, if you're not going to go with us, don't make us leave this place. We don't want to go on unless you personally go with us. For your presence among us is what sets your people and me apart from all other people. That could very rightly be said, too, of God's people in Christ. Uh, It is his presence within us, the sweetness of his presence, the life of Jesus the Messiah that flows in each and every one of us as his children, those of us who've trusted in him. That is what is attractive. That is what causes us to live selfless lives, pouring ourselves out on behalf of others. And that is what attracts men and women to the Savior as they see the life of the Messiah flowing through us. Now, some of the pieces of the tabernacle have already been mentioned The tabernacle itself, with the special woods, the special fabrics, the furs, and the skins that were used. Uh, Remember, it's a football field big, and then it has within it this small tent. And inside that, you have this tent that is divided into two sections, the holy place and the holy of holies, or the most holy place. The Ark of the Covenant goes inside the most holy place. It's a gold rectangular box. It contains the Ten Commandments. It symbolized God's covenant with the people of Israel. Now, the lid on the Ark of the Covenant, the cover, the atonement cover, symbolized the presence of God among his people. And then there was a curtain that separated the most holy place, the Holy of Holies, from the other special room of the tabernacle, that is the holy place. And in the holy place, there was a table on which there was bread, a wooden table, The bread of the presence is on the table, and various utensils were kept on the table. The bread of the presence were 12 loaves of baked bread, one for each tribe of Israel, and it symbolized the spiritual nourishment that God offers to his people. And, of course, the priests on duty, as they served, were able to eat that bread. The lampstand was in that room as well, in the holy place, a golden lampstand, which held seven burning oil lamps. The lamps lit the holy place for the priests. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. We see him reflected there, pardon the pun there, in the lamps. We see the bread of the presence. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And I've already mentioned before the fact that it was only once a year that the priest could go into the Holy of Holies to sprinkle the blood of the atonement lamb on the lid of the Ark of the Covenant, symbolizing the sins of the people being forgiven. And um, they put a rope around the priest's foot so that if he went in unworthily and was killed, they couldn't go in to get him, so they would have to drag him out. <laughs> Interestingly enough, little details, right? 
I'm telling you that because when Jesus, the Messiah, was crucified, he became the Lamb of God, the atonement Lamb that takes away the sin of the world. That curtain, which had hung in the tabernacle now and then was in the temple, uh, that curtain was torn from one corner to the other, diagonally, from top to bottom, indicating that God himself had taken the initiative to open the way into a relationship with him. There was no longer a barrier, a curtain between the people and the Holy of Holies. All of us have access into God's presence now because of the definitive work of redemption carried out by Jesus the Messiah. We see all of these different pieces of the tabernacle. There was an incense altar in the holy place in front of the curtain. It was used for burning special incense, symbolic of acceptable prayer to the Lord, worship and praise. There was an anointing oil used to anoint the priests and all the pieces of the tabernacle to set them apart, to consecrate them to the use of the Lord. Then there was the altar of burnt offerings, this very large bronze altar outside the tabernacle used for the sacrifices, symbolizing the penalty of sin, that sin had to be atoned and cleansed in order to restore the relationship with God. And, of course, there was a wash basin, the laver, as it's called, a large wash basin or laver outside the tabernacle used by the priests to cleanse themselves before performing their duties as well. It was more or less like a kitchen or a butcher shop. They were killing these animals in the ritual of forgiveness and cleansing and sacrifice. The meat then was used to help nourish and sustain the priests of the Lord. There are far more details that we could mention, but those are the major pieces intricately made using the intelligence and the design and the skills, all of the different skills needed for weaving and making these materials, but then also dyeing them, the different colors that were involved. All of those colors were important, reflective something of God's character and God's way, the way of redemption. The tabernacle was indeed a, a tremendous message in and of itself. Everything about it reminded the people something about God, his love, his grace, about his holiness, his demand that sin cannot be ignored. The wages of sin is death, and we see that clearly. They saw it clearly each and every day of the tabernacle. So many details to this tabernacle, and yet on the other hand, when you think about the function that it served, for many, many years it served as the worship center for a nation of people. Here two million people gathered around it. It was a lot of detail, and yet on the other hand, it was very simple. There was a simplicity about it. That's the same way, I think, with our worship of God. There is a simplicity about it, just a pure heart, a true devotion to Him. And yet when you get down into it, oh, it's full of beautiful details. See you next time. The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Soapy reads from the New Living Translation by Kindle House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your prayers and financial support are needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to the Bible Live Post Office Box 18888. That's the Bible Live P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now, don't forget, join us each weekday for the Bible Live with Soapy Dollars. Start today, and in one year's time, we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's word.